church family and visitors, I invite you to pray with me today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, accomplish the purpose for which you send your word. Uh, Lord, once again, ultimately, I want to see the beauty of Jesus and his extravagant love for me. Lord, I also ask that we'd approach the topic of money uh, with the grace and the wisdom that you would have us do that. Set households free and families free uh, from greed or from uh, financial strain as we depend on you, the provider. In Jesus' name, amen. Generosity has an impact. Would you agree? For example, have you ever been benefited and impacted with someone who is generous with food? Maybe you go to an office and they have a tray of baked goods and you're like, oh, I'm thankful that you brought that. You could have had all the pie to yourself, but no, you brought some to work. That's awesome. Uh, Maybe there are some kids here who remember how good it is at birthday time to have birthday snacks and someone brought in cupcakes or whatever is able to be brought in nowadays. I'm not sure. Can we bring in snacks anymore? Not really. Okay, all right. Well, still share food. It's fun. Uh, For me, um, I I remember how impactful it was. I was sitting at Starbucks the other day, and one of our members noticed me, and they impacted me by sharing a brownie with me, and they bought a brownie, and no, I did not share it with my family. I ate all that deliciousness, no take-home bag needed. It was awesome. Food has an impact when we're generous with it, right? And they're free donuts, so we'll impact you with that. Um, Also, finances, right? It is impactful when we give of our money to support different causes or different people. Uh, At at our kids' school, they had this dodgeball fundraiser where they raised over $1,000 to help fight cancer and and going towards cancer research. That's a good cause. I was reading the local papers in Mokina. There was a CrossFit box that raised over $4,000 to help an animal rescue shelter, uh, Paws in Tinley Park. And then with uh, Hurricane Florence, I heard that Disney, just that company itself, raised a million dollars for relief efforts. You know, I I love that when you come to Amazing Love, do you know we have a history of generosity here? Uh, Let me give you some history. Before any people gathered together, our larger church body, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, gave about 90,000 for five years so that we could share Jesus in this neck of the woods. So that we could be a lighthouse in the Frankfurt New Lenox community, the Lincoln Way area. They did that even before any of us came to be. And I have continued to see the generosity of this church. In fact, I love our free garage sale. You've heard me reference that before and just telling people it is free. I love that last Christmas, um, a follow-up, we gave to some foster families, and, and we had over 30 bags just filled with, with foster gifts um, uh, for those, those foster parents and their kids. It was amazing. You know, even in this community, there was someone in need recently, and, and we just said, if you want to give from the heart, you can, and we raised over $1,500 for someone who is in need. I love generosity, and it surely has an impact, doesn't it? But the question is, I guess, how generous should be, how generous should we be, and how generous are Americans today? In general, are we a generous society or or not? What would you guess? Would you guess that we are generous? I don't think so either, which is why we're in week four of this, this series called Selfless, because what, what's, what's common is to be selfish. What's common is to have this idea that everything that is mine should be used for me. It is my money, I'm going to use it my way, and no one can tell me any differently, right? And so let me just share with you uh, some statistics about generosity in America. 
um, this was reported by the IRS of the preliminary findings of charitable giving. And so just if you have some bearings of charitable giving. Now, first of all, only a quarter of Americans are represented. Um, that's because some didn't report charitable givings, sometimes because they took the standard deduction rather than itemized deduction. If you want to talk taxes, we can later. I'm losing some people right now. Anyway, um, <laughs> but uh, boilerplate, let's uh, get to it. If you gain under 15000 it's common to give 1400 representing about 9%. If you gain up to 30000 it's common to give around 8%. If you gain up to 50000 it's common to give around 5%. If you gain 100000 it's common to go 3%. More than that, 2%, 2%, and beyond. Are we generous? As the most wealthy nation that has ever existed, ever? And so I wonder why. Why, in general, aren't we a little bit more generous? So I have one theory, and, and one theory is that we all have a list. Do you have a list? On that list is what the Target ad says. That list of technology and phone and Tootsie the Musical is coming to down, and, and they have a travel zoo coupon where we can get, you know, two for the price of one. So that, that's on the list, and, and the list keeps going. And what happens with the list, if, if you're familiar with the list, is you cross off what's on the top, but then that just moves the whole list above, and, and there's always more on the list. And, and so because we all have this list out there, and it looks drastically different, uh, some of you have, you know, hobbies and sports on there, some of you have cars on there, it, it's all part of the list. We're tempted to believe that everything in my possession is for my consumption, another pastor said. That everything that I have is really for me, which is why I love to talk about giving, about what God says about money. Now, at this point, I, I, I need to be real. If you're a visitor to Amazing Love, we don't talk about money every Sunday. We don't. And, and, and I, I especially apologize if you're a member who invited someone today, and you're like, Pastor, they're here, and you're talking about money. I apologize. But, but can I tell you why we are bold to talk about money? Because Jesus did. Because Jesus did. Because I'm just his ambassador. I don't create these ideas. I, I represent him well when I say what he said. And, and here's what Jesus said if, if we don't get this generosity thing right. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, God wants an ordered love where he comes first. And he's saying you cannot order it well if money comes first or the things money buys. What he's truly concerned about is the status of your heart. And the reason he cares about your heart is because he gave you his. And he gave his heart extravagantly. He gave not money but of himself. His very blood so that we could be saved. And he invites us to love him in return. So again, we talk about money. Are we ready? You're still here, so thank you. No one's walked out yet. Um, and, and what I, I love about money, <laughs> thank you, thank you, just one, just one, I like it, I like it. What I love about money is this idea that if you believe in God, if you take him up on his principles, it really has the potential to set you free. 
It really has the potential so that your household will not be scrimping and saving and feeling like you're just clawing to make it because you'll have this idea that, no, our dependence is on God the provider and he's pretty rich. These principles, I believe, can set households free as we take up God on his word. So let's get into it, those of you who are still here. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, we're going to read the whole uh, section here, and we're just going to pick it apart this morning for our benefit. Um, there it says, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And this is the word that we get to pick apart a little bit in these moments. Could you turn to the person next to you and tell them, give it away. Give it away. Give it away. Let's have fun with the word of God. I had a conversation with a buddy recently about an investment opportunity he had. He had a chance to be in on a craft brew place um, before craft brew was really, really popular. And so he went in at a certain amount, but then it was found out that this craft brew place was a success. It was a hit. And he lamented to me the fact that if he knew that was going to happen, he would have put more chips in the table. If he knew that he was going to, again, reap more, he would have put in more initially. Now, has that ever been your experience with investing? Are there any investors here today? You watch the stock market, you have a mutual fund a little, little bit. Uh, for, for me, I uh, watch the, the stocks and the, I have a fake portfolio. Um, <laughs> and and I, I consider if that fake portfolio was at one time a reality. For in my fake portfolio, back in like 2008, I had Amazon for $80 a share. That would have been good to pull the trigger on. I had in my fake portfolio Apple at 50, uh, Bank of America at 7, uh, McDonald's at 50. I mean, th this would have been good to act on. Even recently in my fake portfolio, I had Netflix, which I thought, wow, they're, they're doing pretty good, and I wish I would have invested. I hadn't. Woulda, shoulda, coulda. I bring this up because as we talk about extravagant giving, one of the knee-jerk reactions you have, well, how extravagant should we be in giving? And that's a good question. 
And where God doesn't give a percentage, he does give a principle. And the principle is this. He said, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. So a farming analogy, if I have 10 acres, if I choose to farm 5 acres, I, I will not have as much as if I chose to farm 10 acres, right? If, if I sow generously, I reap generously. If I sow sparingly, I also reap sparingly. And what we find very clearly, and what I'd convince you of, and, and maybe even from a faith standpoint, is this, the first takeaway. It's wise to be extravagant in our giving to God. It's wise to put more chips in the table as you give to God in support of the gospel, usually where your spiritual needs are met, your local church. It's good to give to God because of the return. And sometimes we're stopped. We might say, well, how do I even start this? It feels like there's not enough. I'm scraping by as it goes. It's funny that as we talk about sowing generously, he also gives us a promise. Look at the promise found in verse 8. He said, God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Basically, if you think, you know, that the table's going to drop out and you're not going to have enough, God says, no, I know how to provide for you as you depend in me. So it's wise to give extravagantly. Now, do you know there was a time period where he actually prescribed a percentage? If you're a scholar of the Old Testament, they were demanded to give a tithe, which is what percent? Ten percent. Uh, it's interesting. I did some study about the tithe this past week. Uh, feel free to do it yourself. Um, some scholars say they actually gave three tithes. One tithe was just of your produce and your wealth. One tithe was for all the festivals they would have in worship. And another tithe came every third year to support the poor, the orphan, and the widow. Now, some also say that this was a time there was no government taxing. It was a theocracy, so that's why they gave up to 23.3%. But um, we see that if you want to say they only gave 10%, that's not exactly accurate. They could have given as much as 23.3%. But the tithe has been carried through throughout history. The idea of 10%. In fact, maybe you grew up in a household where 10% was modeled and taught. Anyone relate to that? Good Lutheran head nod. Um, yeah, that was the, the, the same for me as well. I grew up in a household where, where this was taught and modeled. And it was similar to the third commandment where God, when he was in charge, said, you know, it'd be good for you to rest one day a week. That's a good guide. So also, it's good to shoot for the benchmark of 10%. It's good to, again, shoot where should I give that 10% benchmark. Now, God has promised other things about giving to him. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, I would encourage you not to give to God in order that you might receive and get. But again, he is confirming that if you trust in me with what I gave, I know how to provide. You can trust. But the true principle, it is one of freedom. There is not a percentage. And the principle of New Testament giving, because the Old Testament was just a shadow of things to come, is found in this verse where it says, Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And that is, by the way, I never give to the people in the streets. 
because then I would not be giving under, um, uh, with, with a happy heart. Um, after I see someone in the streets, I'm and just emotionally collecting myself, glad that I did not hit them. And, and, and God says, if, if you want to cheerfully give, you give, again, happily what you have decided. But it's quiet now. And maybe it's okay. Because we also wrestle with affluence. We all wrestle with money. And so because of this, I wanted to share with you maybe an example of, maybe something you can relate to of, of giving that is hard, and, and, and it's kind of humorous, so without further ado, the God Pie. Oh, I couldn't. Well, maybe just a bite. Oh, yeah! All right! Don't forget the interest. Brought the pie. Dude, he brought the pie. And if it was as simple as pie, and we were sitting down at a meal with Jesus, wouldn't you want him to have some? Wouldn't you want him to enjoy? Why do we overcomplicate things? If he has given us so many great things, wouldn't we want him to enjoy the best of what we got? You know what, amazing love, we've taken this principle, and one of our core values is we want to bring our best 
Not because God is needy or even hungry, but because he's worthy. But what I would recognize, too, is that we have ways to go, even in my own heart and life. Have I been truly generous on all occasions? Have I truly been as generous as I possibly could be? The answer is no, friends. I'm chief among you. But can you relate? Does any of the video or anything we're talking about make sense? Then we recognize once again our need for a Savior. A Savior who can help us in this matter and every other matter. And the Savior has helped. And I consider in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was debating with the Father and saying, you know, if there's any other way, do you think if the Father allowed him to just give some money, he would have done it? If the Father said, yes, there is another way, a trillion dollars, I believe he would have wrote the check, said, okay, we're done here. Thanks. But he gave more. He gave his life, and Peter reminds us of the cost. He said, for you know it wasn't with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And Jesus gave so that we could be set free, and set free we are. You're forgiven, you're washed clean, you have a new start and a right standing, all because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And primarily we see his giving in our salvation, but he is like a giving train that you just cannot stop. He has given us life and breath, our bodies and our minds, our opportunities and the willingness to work and the ability to work. He has given us everything that we have because he's a good giver and a gracious God. When you recognize this, when you look to Jesus, we find this then principle that we are inspired to give extravagantly when we see Jesus' extravagance, it never stops. He's the one that brought yet another beautiful fall day, the health to be here, things to enjoy, the ability to work. He just keeps giving, even without our asking. But what if we could be that way? What if we could walk away truly dependent on God for everything that we have, and try to model the same generosity. What would people's reaction be? And what would the world look like? I think we need to envision a place like this. I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity to be extravagant. I know it's come my way. It was about a year ago, someone called the church and they said, Hey, do you guys do any of those backpack giveaways? And I guess it's common for some churches to fill up a backpack of school supplies. And well, at the time we hadn't done that. But, but I asked, well, what, what do you need? And so I took down the supply list. And I asked, is, is there anything that your child really likes? Any characters that they, they really enjoy? Because it's one thing to get a green folder. It's another thing to get a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles folder. Or at least a Frank folder, right? You, you know what I'm talking about. And so I had fun going shopping and, and picking out the extras. And then I had the fun of seeing this girl's face light up as she saw her new backpack. And everything she needed for school. Have you ever been there? I'm not telling that because I'm so high on myself. I'm telling you that because have you ever been there to give and the joy of giving? Because if, if you've been there, you know this principle as well, that the joy of others is worth the price of our generosity. We find in that moment truly is more blessed to give than to receive. Man, I'm glad I did that, that little thing to, to make a backpack for a girl. 
I consider this has been happening in my own life. People have given extravagantly to me, sometimes in ways that move my eyes to tears. And I ask, how can I ever thank you? And they tell me, strangely, your tears were enough. I say, what? Because it was the joy that I was after. Yes, it is joy that we create with our generosity. And, and that's what was going on in the lesson. See, see, the background was this, that there were some Christians in need, not of school supplies, but of material needs. There were Christians in Jerusalem who, once they were known for following Jesus, they couldn't make an income because they were societal outcasts. No one bought from their shops or, or went to their vendors because they were known to follow Jesus. So Paul says it would be good for the rest of the Christians, as, as we're a family, to gather together some money to help out our brothers and our sisters in Jerusalem. And, and he tells us the result of what's happening because of this gift. That as a result, the service you perform is not only going to supply the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. When we see money as a tool to help other people, to make their day, to provide for their needs. We're seeing money in a nuanced way that I think God enjoys and appreciates. But there's another reason to give generously. And here I want to talk a little bit about impersonations. Do you know anyone who does impersonations really well? I don't. I'm not even going to try. I was listening to Christian radio, and they were referring to the guy, the Fonz from Happy Days. I guess he just won an Emmy. And uh, they, they had a radio impersonation of the Fonz that sounded much more like Rocky Balboa than it did the Fonz. But anyway, thank you, K-Love. Um, and uh, there is one girl that, that does an impersonation pretty well. I, I'm not sure she's a role model. Uh, but her name is Ariana Grande, and she did a great um, impersonation of Celine Dion. I, I thought I would just share it with you real quick. Is that okay? So here's... Ariana Grande. Certain is the song from sweet and strange Finding you can Celine is going to love that. Thank you. <laughs> it's fun to see an impersonation done well, right? And, uh, and why do I bring this up, Pastor? Where are you going? Some of you might know our goal is to impersonate someone. In fact, Ephesians would tell us what you need to be there is imitators, not impersonators, imitators of God as beloved children. In fact, the framework of this whole series, Selfless, is this idea that when we are living for others, we model Jesus' activity. We talked about when we work and we see Jesus as our boss and, and we care more about what we're accomplishing for others than what we acquire for ourselves, then we give a great reflection. Last week we talked about how good it is when we care more about proclaiming his name than what it is talking about our name or caring about our name. And today as we talk about generosity, here's what I truly believe, that generosity is the best imitation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because let me remind you what the gospel is. It's the gift of salvation. Free of charge, no strings attached. You are saved as a gift. God saved you by living perfectly in your place as a gift. God saved you by dying your death and, and, and bearing the punishment you deserved as a gift. 
God rose from the dead assuring us of eternal life and he says that's going to be ours as a gift. And faith or trust in Jesus is just the hands that receive the gifts and say thank you. That's what faith is, hands to receive all that God has done. And so if that's truly the gospel, then shouldn't we as Christians in a church body illustrate it by generosity? I love doing this. In fact, we had an opportunity to do this as a church because there are many generous people who support this gospel ministry. We had requests for building use recently. And uh, people were shocked when, when they asked, how much should we pay you? And we said, nothing. We like to help. See, we believe God is a giver, and so we just love being part of this helpful effort. Nothing. Or when they asked if we wanted to be a polling place, and we are going to be one in November. And they say, but we're only paying you $70. I guess there's a budget crunch. $70 doesn't even color, cover a carpet cleaning, but that's okay. You know why? Because we're here to help. Because we imitate the gospel that is free. Because Jesus gave generously, and so we love to do the same. That's just what we do, and it's our opportunity. So consider this. And as a practical step, the final takeaway, plan to make an impact through generosity and then follow through. So I'd love for you to, to sit down and just look at what the Lord has gave you and, and give thanks. Don't have shame or guilt. Our Father loves to give good gifts. But then ask the question, am I sowing generously? That I might reap generously? Not only for the kingdom, but for my household? Am I doing that? For some of you, it might be your first step in starting to give. And, and Lord, be praised for those small beginnings. I think it can set households free as we depend on God for everything. May God so empower you so that others see Christ through us. Amen. Please stand.